You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Uh, it is good to see you all. Uh, again, I'm sorry that we didn't have it last week. Um, we just thought we were going to be frozen out, and we weren't. It turned out to be a beautiful evening, but oh well, here we are. Um, and what we've discussed so far, just going back to our last lesson, is we, we are in the worship part of prayer and worship series. And these are the two foundational tools that the Lord has given us to operate in. He never... He, he continually uses prayer and worship as the avenues that we need to go through to get to Him, to access deeper parts of Him, and to access understanding in the things going on around us. And bef- we started this series in August, and there are a lot of things that we as a church are stepping into now in 2023 that we did not know about in August. And so you, you can see the timing of the Lord trying to get us to understand that where I am leading you, you need to understand prayer and worship and you need to operate in it. These are important lessons. I've, 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 I oftentimes wrestle with wanting to just start this series over again on Sunday mornings. I'm like, we, more people need to hear this. Uh, but the Lord hasn't given me permission to do that. These are, just, these are important for where we're going. Prayer and worship, we need to understand them. We need to understand how to fast, when to fast, uh, the purpose of it. We need to understand uh, uh, what worship is to look like. And, and, and we've talked about that over the last few weeks, recognizing that worship is abandonment. Abandonment of self and pursuit of Him. Uh, that, is, that is true worship down uh, to the very basis of it. And worship is also obedience. But you can't have obedience until there's first abandonment of self. Right? The, sel- the second self-preservation leaves my mind, I can access the kingdom. But as long as I am self-serving, I will always miss out on what the Lord has for me. And I can't operate in obedience in that place. And both of these things go back. Worship is abandonment, worship and obedience. But where does that start? It starts in relationship. Just like prayer starts in relationship. You want to see somebody with a deep and meaningful prayer life, deep and... Uh, meaningful understanding of worship, you will see that they have a deep, deep relationship with the Lord. Those two things are, they, they are cohesive with our relationship with God. And they are incredibly important. And unfortunately, they are oftentimes neglected. And what we spoke about last, as far as worship is concerned, we talked about this reality that worship is power. There is such power for those who live abandoned to self in pursuit of Him, those who say yes to Him, there is power. And we saw that in looking at Jesus entering into the wilderness. Jesus yielded to the Spirit. I mean, He had just received the Spirit of God. He had just said yes. He had just, uh, in this moment, what is our salvation moment, 
where all of heaven is made open to him. He's adopted by the Father of the universe. And then he is given the Spirit of God in his baptism. And so we see this reality, this, this reality that is someday to be for us to step into as well in our moment of salvation, our adoption into the kingdom, and then our baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. And what is the first thing that Jesus does? He immediately yields to the leading of the Spirit who called him into the wilderness. And then he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And this is an aspect of prayer. There's so much in this passage that highlights worship and prayer series that we've been in because he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights after being led into an unknown place by the Spirit because there was a needing, there was a need for an equipping that Jesus recognized. There was need for understanding on what the Lord had him do. We need to understand this. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. So I believe he just didn't know everything that was going to happen. I don't believe he knew Judas was going to be the one to betray him. Because I, I, he's also fully man. And then there's temptation, right? I think there's discernment. Because Judas, and we're going to get off on a rabbit trail for a second, but Judas was not a part of his inner circle. I think there was discernment in that. But... He was fully God and fully man. How, how that happened, we can't fully ever know. We won't fully ever understand it. But he was led, and I don't believe he knew exactly everything that the Lord had in store for him, and he recognized that there was a need for him to dive deeply into the Spirit of God, to gain understanding into the story that the Lord had for him and the things that he needed to step into. And after we see him fast for 40 days and 40 nights, Pursuing the Spirit, not himself, saying yes to what the Lord had for him and entering in that wilderness. We see in verse 11 of Matthew 4 that Jesus then exits the wilderness in power, totally full of the power of God. He, he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He had gone through temptation. He was reciting scripture. He was putting Satan in his place. And then he leaves fully empowered by God. And we know that it is at this point that he begins his ministry. It's just a, a few moments later, a few verses later, where he's beginning to preach his first sermon. And he teaches on a lot of things as he goes through this in Matthew 5. Um, but he leaves in power. And we, what came first... What came first in this entire story with Jesus was true worship, abandonment of self, and obedience to the Spirit of God. Everything was made available to him after these things. Understanding, operating in that power. He was given that power, but we see this all the time. We see people who appear to have godliness, but they have no power in their story. Because to have power, there must be relationship. There must be abandonment and there must be obedience we cannot have the power without it i can't go up to the vending machine start clicking numbers and just hope something falls out i've got to put an investment into it to receive the thing that i want to see and it's the same with the power of god we're not meant to just get to, get to have it at a flip of a switch there's an investment an abandonment of self and a pursuit of obedience to the spirit of god and then there was power and we see that in jesus and we oftentimes, unfortunately, like I just said, we expect the power without the surrender. A lot of Christians expect the power of God without the surrender to God. That can't be found. And that cannot happen. That's why we have a lot of powerless churches. 
Because we have a lot of people that expect the power of God, but they have no surrender to God. It's churches, unfortunately, that are led by man's best ideas and not submission and obedience to what the Lord has and the vision that He has over the house. And in that place, we, we see godliness but an absence of power. And unfortunately, uh, they, they go to places and depths that end up not being healthy. But James 4.10 tells us to humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. It does not say... The Lord will exalt you, and then you must humble yourself before Him. It says, humble yourself. And what is to humble oneself? To see that what is before me, whatever I'm humbling myself to, is greater than I. I'm, I, I I'm, this is more important than me. More valuable than me. Recognizing those... Oh, humility is also recognizing that I can't do this without without what's in front of me. Humility. It was, it was the moment for me when uh, the Lord said, I was just dating Sarah and I didn't know what we were supposed to do. I, I was immature and a kid and the Lord had led us to sundown Texas and he's like, and I'm just asking him like, okay, do we get married? Do we date long distance? So how does this work? He said, you do not survive without her. It wasn't, it wasn't an answer to my question. It was just straight up, no, you're going to fall flat on your face if you leave her behind. So you work it out from there what you need to do. Like, yes, sir. But there was humility because the Lord, and it, the Lord put me in a place of humility. Parker by himself without Sarah fails. So you better humble yourself and bring her because you can't do it without her. And that has been true every day since that day. But humility, recognizing that I, I need her. And I didn't recognize that the Lord straight up told me, you better humble yourself right now and take her or you're, you're done. Thank God that he's a good and loving father that will tell us what we need to hear when we need to hear it. But we also see this humbling ourselves before the Lord to be exalted. We see the example of power and abandonment and obedience to the Spirit uh, in Exodus 17, a literal demonstration where we see surrender and then power as the result. Moses lifting his hands to the Lord and the army of Israel having victory. And the second his hands came down, the army saw defeat. So we see the result of worship, power and victory. We literally see it. And we, it, we recognize in this moment that it is not just victory for himself, but victory for those around him. And so we talked about this a little bit on Sunday. When we, when we say yes to God and whatever He has for us, He has every intention of blessing those around us, even though what He's calling us into does not seem related to them. Time and time again, the Lord has blessed beyond me because of an obedience to something that had nothing to do with the people it ended up blessing. Nothing to do with them. Absolutely nothing. But here we are. Happens time and time again. That's the goodness of God. He, he has every intention of your freedom being somebody else's, your victory being somebody else's, and your obedience and the blessing that comes in obedience to bless others. We see this, but we see the same with Jesus, that his surrender brought freedom to those around him. Personal pursuit will bring about corporate transformation. Your surrender releases power to those around us. It goes back to Carrie's vision. 
that we discussed uh, the last two Sundays. And this is a vision that I would encourage everyone to write down, everyone to keep track of, everyone to recite regularly, because this is important. This is one of those that has, has daily impact. Because it's simply our personal pursuit of God, our personal prayer, our personal worship behind closed doors, and then together in, in this room. We are the brothers and sisters. We are the body of Christ. And we gather together in this room, but we're still behind closed doors. And it's in our pursuit individually and then corporately as a corporate body that will be what breaks the ground, that the, what the Lord intends to do in sundown can seep into the soil, into the foundations of this city. He intends to seep in. To break through. And how does he intend to do it? Not by us going out with pickaxes. Not with us going out and walking around in prayer and putting on a demonstration. He's just simply asked, pursue me in your own life. And this will be the result. That has got to be the easiest, easiest thing I've ever heard. To see the results that we want to see. I desire and dream that sundown Texas would be a city where there is not a single person who dwells in it that does not walk with the Spirit of God. The first of its kind. And that, when people, that people would flock to sundown because what they experience here is beyond explanation. That people with illnesses would just cross the city limit sign and the illness would be gone. Because the kingdom of heaven and the atmosphere of the Spirit is so thick. And what does the Lord say to do to see these things? To make sundown more like the kingdom of heaven than a city and a state and a country. What does he say? Pursue me in your own life. Pray. Worship. And in your prayer and in your worship, your abandonment to me and your obedience to my vision and to my call upon your life. Some of it will be seen. Some of it will remain unseen. That will be what breaks the ground. It's a beautiful thing. A beautiful, beautiful vision and an encouraging vision with great and wonderful direction and great and powerful understanding. So we see that worship is groundbreaking. And that's, that's really what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about how worship changes the atmosphere. Our personal worship, my life, living abandoned to the Lord, operating in obedience and then having access now to that power because of those two things that I've done before, in a deep relationship, personal relationship with God, our surrender and obedience to the Father, Son, and Spirit will literally change the condition of the ground of Sundown, Texas. Our surrender to God changes the atmosphere. We're going to look at a few scriptures uh, really quick this evening. The, the first one will be Second Chronicles 5, verse 13. And it was the duty of the trumpeteers and singers to make themselves heard in unison and praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever, the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. This is the presence of the Lord that is all consuming and that we get to be a part of ushering in 
each and every time we gather together, each and every time we personally in our own homes, in our cars, when we sing praises to God, when we engage with Him, abandon the pursuit of self in pursuit of Him and operate in obedience, this is the presence that we are ushering into a community in an all-consuming cloud that you can't see through because it is so dense. Acts 4, verse 23 through 31 is where we'll be now. If I can find it. There it is. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, and before we say this, this is the, the apostles, uh, mainly Peter and, uh, and John. Yes. That just performed a miracle of a lame man that's laid at the gates for years, his entire life, begging for money. And they've literally seen this man rise up and walk. And they've seen all that Jesus said was coming happen before them. And what do the religious leaders do? Say, if you keep doing this, we're going to kill you. You want to talk about a gut punch. That would, that would be like... That would be like us doing the, the fall festival and just do it and not near the same as a miracle, but us just doing something to bless this community, just a free event, just something that just allows people to come and have fun and have a great time and be blessed. And it's free. They don't have to worry about anything. Everything's provided. They just get free entertainment just because we love them. And then the city turn around saying, you do that again, we'll find you and we'll close your doors. I mean, a gut punch. They literally just spoke. I have no coin or silver to give you, but what I do have I give to you freely in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the man didn't rise up and walk. He leapt and jumped and rejoiced and danced all the way into the temple. And the people in the temple waiting for him had a problem with it. Where is the logic in that? That makes no sense. If I saw John, souls, get out of that chair and start jumping and dancing, I would not say, John, get out. I don't want that kind in here. No, I'd, fall flat. I'd be a part, permanent part of that carpet. You wouldn't be able to get me up. I'd be on the ground. It just doesn't make any sense, but that's what they're dealing with. And so I just want us to have that context before we read because it adds such power to their response. If we understand the context of it. Verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal 
and signs and wonders are performed through the name of our holy servant Jesus, of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There's a few really, really important things in this passage. They did not pray that the difficult things would go away. They prayed that they would have the boldness to continue and wade through them. They did not ask, Lord, please make them nicer to us. No, they asked, Lord, embolden us that we can continue to do what you have asked of us. That is worship. Because they have not jumped out of this place of abandonment of self. They have stayed and they have prayed from this place of, not my will, your will be done. Right? Our will would have been like, Lord, soften their hearts that they'll be nice to me, please. Right? Instead of being emboldened to continue forward. They stayed in this place of abandonment and obedience. They knew what the Lord had said. What Jesus had said in these final moments to, to be for one another, to love one another and by this so prove to be my disciples, to go to all the nations and make disciples of all the nations, to share the gospel, to share the testimony of Jesus and to share what you have received, the Holy Spirit. They have been charged to do these things and they have not for a second jumped out of that place. That is their life. We as just where we are in our current day, we, we live in a society that is built to abandon ship when things get uncomfortable, right? Just jump ship and be done when things get uncomfortable. And unfortunately, where have we applied that? To the church, to our relationship with the Lord. When things get different, jump ship, get out. That is not worship to God because worship again is abandonment. But if I have a relationship in place where I know his heart, I know his nature, I can tell you and you will not be able to make me shake or waver from this foundation that he is good and he is for me, not against me. And he is working all things for the good of those that love him and that includes me. And I am his son and he dresses the lilies more beautiful than ever, what more will he do for me? The, the birds don't ever go without, what more will he do for me? When I believe these things to be true, because I have found it to be true in my relationship with him, not just because I've read it on a page, but because I have encountered the heart that inspired the words on the page, I know them to be true now because I've seen the heart that wrote them. We will not waver. And it won't even be an option of praying out of a difficult situ situation. That's really the key here. We have, got to we have got to stop praying, trying to pray, trying to worship ourselves out of difficulty. And pray and worship through it. He didn't lead the Israelites around the water. He led them through the water. The circumstance is unavoidable. And the Lord has no desire for us to avoid it. The Lord has every desire for us to walk and wade through it. 
Only, though, when we live in the correct mindset can we do these things as we see it here. And they prayed. And in that place of waiting through the difficult circumstance, in that place of saying yes to God, no matter what, they said yes, their yes was predetermined when they came to this moment of difficulty, which had to be a gut punch after a miracle had just come. And now people are outraged by this miracle. How confusing that must be. Their yes had already been determined long before that. And it was not wavering in that place. And their prayer was not wavering in that place. Their heart was not wavering. They just, Lord, help us to continue to do what you've asked us to do now that it's become more difficult to do it. And now that it means our lives, potentially. We have another example of this in Acts 16, verse 25. One of the one of my favorite stories um, in Acts. Verse 25 of chapter 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And they took them to the, they took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. The ground broke open. A literal demonstration. They were not trying to get out of prison. They were just pursuing the Lord. Do you see now, when we take our eyes off of Him, to start praying to get out of the circumstance, out of the situation, we lose sight on the answer that's meant to see us through this circumstance and this situation. Their focus was not to get out of prison. They were not sitting there praying, Lord, get us out of here. Lord, get us out of here. They knew what the Lord had called them to do. This is one of the greatest things about Paul, in my opinion, is that in difficult moments, he did not waver because the Lord had called him. Like, I've not fulfilled what the Lord called me to do yet, so we're okay. Literally, a boat sank. People are freaking out because they think they're about to drown. He's like, you're not going to drown. Stay with me. I've not done what the Lord has called me to do yet. So you're good. We're going to all be okay. Unwavering trust in the Lord. Profound. But we see this beautiful example of Paul and Silas just worshiping God because even in the difficult circumstance, he's good and worthy of praise. He's, and, and they had a, that's, a, that's a, the difference too. They have a relationship with him. When I go through difficult things, I don't avoid my wife. She's the one person I want to talk to and vent about the difficult things. 
in the hard circumstances. This is the same that we see with them in the Lord. And that's meant to be our response to the Lord. It's difficult. I, I just, Lord, I need to be with you. This is tough. And we run to Him. And that's exactly what they did. And because they ran to Him, they didn't try to run through their, or run away from their circumstance. They didn't try to avoid their circumstance. They kept their eyes fixed on Jesus and pursued Him. Even in that moment, the release from the circumstance came. And it not only came for them, but it also came for a generation of people that will now be raised up in the way that the Lord intended for them to be raised up. They now know the Spirit of God. And a household, a Roman household, has now been freed and saved. Profound. Profound. The ground broke open. Because of what? Because of a personal pursuit of God. Not trying to work a way out of the circumstance. Just personal pursuit of Jesus. Personal love and relationship and adoration of Jesus. And in that place, not only were they freed, but a generation of people came to know Jesus. Multiple generations. It said, not just him, but his entire household. So there's probably him, probably parents, in-laws, kids, brothers-in-laws, sisters. Everyone associated with this man has now been exposed to the Spirit of God. Because two people were fixated on him. Worship is groundbreaking. The Spirit washed in. And there was new life, an oasis in the desert. And that is the vision that Carrie has spoken. It, just as the Lord continued to speak to me about it, it is to be an oasis in the desert. There is a, there's a, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the town, but it's in Peru. It's a real town. It's a small city. And there's just desert, as far as you can see. And then you come over this dune and come down and there's just this beautiful city just tucked away in, in, in the valley of these sand dunes with water, big old lake. Everybody has pools in their backyard, just in the middle of the desert. I'm serious, it is in the middle of the desert. It's an oasis. It should not be there. You look at it, you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense why that's there. Your brain can't quite compute how that's possible. And that is to be Sundown, Texas. An oasis where there should not be an oasis. A mystery. People will look at it and be like, that, it, that shouldn't be like that. How, how is that like that? But it will be because of the Spirit of God. Our pursuit of Him and obedience to Him may not look related to the things we want to see around us. Like Paul and Silas wanting to be out of prison. That's what they wanted, I'm sure. But their pursuit of God and obedience to Him and just adoration of Him is what brought the release. But our trusting Him, our pursuing Him, this is what will break the ground and change the world under our feet. And that, that is really the point, to change the world under our feet. That where we stand, life would grow. Only possible. Not by fixating on the ground, but by fixating on Him. Looking literally in the opposite direction. 
If we want sundown to be saved, we cannot try to save sundown. If we want the people of Sundown, Texas, to all know and operate in the spirit and the freedom that God has intended for them. We cannot try to make that happen. We have to operate in abandonment and obedience. And what has he said to make that happen? Worship me. Pursue me. And I will break the chains. I will open the doors and I will break the ground and there will be newness of life because you simply worship me. Worship is groundbreaking. And it does not require much of us but to say yes and pursue him above all else. And when we find ourselves in circumstances that are difficult, uncomfortable, not trying to figure out a way around it, but allow the Lord to lead us through it, to pray and worship through it, not desiring to check out, but to ask the Lord to embolden us that we could see our, that we could continue to wade through the water. Mm-hmm.